This episode of The How of Business is brought to you by Stroke of Genius. The Stroke of Genius podcast is back for season three. Each episode tells a different story from the world of intellectual property with cool interviews with green entrepreneurs, innovative scientists, and other creative minds. Find The Stroke of Genius show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is William Warren. William, welcome to the show. Henry, it's great to be here. Thanks for taking the time. I'm looking forward to this conversation. And so on this episode, we're going to focus on how we can improve our communications with our teams, our stakeholders, our customers, by using visuals instead of just words. William is going to share his entrepreneurial journey first. Very interesting as to how he got to where he is today. And then we're going to dive in and he's going to share his expertise and experience on visual communications to help us grow our small businesses. To receive more information about the Howa business, including the links to the show notes page for this episode and other episodes, just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996. So William Warren is an entrepreneur, an illustrator, a speaker, and a writer who has spent his career using visuals to help communicate ideas in an effective and enjoyable way. He is the founder and CEO of The Sketch Effect, a visual communication agency that helps, makes, helps make ideas understandable and actionable through animation, live event sketching, and graphic design. The Sketch Effects clients list includes top-tier brands, such as Marriott, Walmart, Microsoft, Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A, <laughs> I always refer to them as Chick-fil-A, uh, P&G, and Delta, in addition to premier consultancies, including Boston Consulting Group, Bain, Ernst & Young, and Accenture, and many other clients. William lives in the Atlanta, Georgia area. So once again, William Warren, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks so much. Um, really looking forward to chatting with your listeners and unpacking some of these ideas. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for that. And uh, so we'll start kind of understanding a little bit of the entrepreneurial journey. But before I do that, it looked like from your stuff I was researching, you're a big scuba diver, right? I love scuba diving. Yeah. If I wasn't doing what I'm doing now, I would probably be uh, underwater somewhere, hopefully exploring a wreck or a coral reef or something like that. What's the favorite place you've ever gone scuba diving? A couple of years ago, I went to Malta, which is a small island nation in the Mediterranean. And there's not as much wildlife, but there's all these fantastic caves and tunnels and underground little passageways and wrecks. And it was just a scuba diving dream come true. Um, and uh, so that's probably, that's probably the best one. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. The Mediterranean Sea doesn't have as much, you know, fishes as, and well, like you said, wildlife like the Caribbean or even the Pacific does, which is very interesting. Right. And it's shockingly cold. I went in the middle of the summer warning to mm -hmm. anyone who's planning to go there. I had to wear, if there are any diving nerds out there, I had to wear a five millimeter wetsuit, which I was not expecting in the Mediterranean in the middle of the summer, but yep. Um, yep. it That's was, uh, it was a great, it was a great experience. Good stuff. All right. So based on the research, you had a very short career working for somebody else, I think uh, in digital marketing, and then went off and started your first business, right? So, so it was like a couple of years out of college, and then you went and started your own business. Is that correct? That's correct. So to tell a little bit of my story, I think it's important to start off by saying I never set out to be an entrepreneur. I was never one of those people who always wanted to be his own boss or to start his own company or start his own thing. It, it really emerged organically. And I felt like um, if I didn't get on the train, if I didn't jump on board with what this thing that was emerging, uh, I would get left behind. So um, my story really begins, uh, well, I'd like to rewind to when I was a kid. Uh, growing up, I was always passionate about illustration in comics and cartooning. Um, my favorite thing in the world was to read the Sunday comics. My favorite was Calvin Hobbes by Bill Watterson. If there are any comics fans out there, I'm sure you've heard of mm -hmm. Calvin Hobbes. It is fantastic. Highly recommend it. I still read it to this day. Um, and it's was a huge inspiration for me. But what, did, what up, did you, what did you like about comics at that early age? What is it that attracted you to it? 
for me, I loved both the visuals. I just thought that the drawings were great. And I also loved the story that it took readers on, especially Calvin Hobbes. Cal if, if, if you've ever read Calvin Hobbes, you know that there's, there's amazing visuals, there's great adventures and great stories, and there's even good ideas embedded in those stories. It's not just silliness or an exciting story, but there's actually a lot of interesting, compelling concepts that are unpacked in that comic strip. Right, in a very short space between uh, the visual and the words, it communicates a little story. Exactly, these cartoonists are excellent at what they do because they have a very limited amount of real estate and they have to communicate uh, a story, ideas, characters. They have to accomplish a lot in a really like a, a you know, a six inch by <laughs> two inch uh, newspaper real estate, you know, um, obviously newspapers are kind of a thing of the past now, but, um, but yeah, for me, it was really that story. It was the visuals and it was the ideas that attracted me to comics when I was a little kid. Were you a good artist uh, when you were young? Were you talented in that regard? Yeah, I consider myself a natural artist. You know, um, my parents will tell stories of uh, their friends in church who were distracted because I would be drawing on the little uh, cards, the little bulletin handouts, and um, you know they would they would say it was it was cute and fun to watch me draw. But yeah, ever since I was a little a little kid, as soon as I could hold a pencil, I was always drawing, making my own comics, making my own cartoons, my own characters, my own adventures. So, um, so yeah, there aren't many things I'm, I'm naturally good at, but I do think drawing <laughs> is one of them. All right. So you had this passion, but no, no aspirations to be your own boss. You were on the track, like every, like a lot of people go get a job, right? Correct. Yeah. So I pursued the comics, um, as sort of a side thing for a while. I did it for various school newspapers growing up in high school and in college and then a little bit afterwards as, as a freelancer. And it was great and it was fun, but I realized there wasn't, for me, there wasn't career potential with that passion. So uh, life took a couple twists and turns and I ended up, I ended up doing two things simultaneously. One, I ended up going back to grad school to get a master's degree in illustration because I was in my mid twenties. I wasn't sure what to do. So like many people do when they don't know what to do, I went and got another degree. At the same time, I also got an entry level marketing job actually at Chick-fil-A, which was one of the clients we spoke of earlier um, here in Atlanta, Georgia. It was entry level job, uh, part time. So yeah, those two things happened simultaneously. Yeah. And so I, quick, I quickly wrapped up the degree and then became full time at, at Chick-fil-A in corporate marketing. And, what was the uh, yeah, goal with that, with that degree? Like, what does one do when one has that degree? What were you thinking you were going to do career-wise with that degree? At the, at the time, I thought I could pivot and become a children's book illustrator. Ah. Because I loved, you know, just like with comics, I loved drawing and I loved communicating ideas and stories. And so for me as a 25, 26-year-old, I thought, well, the really next logical outlet to do this is with kids' books. So I went back to grad school to pursue that. And I quickly realized, this is actually part of my story, but I quickly realized I loved people. I loved working with people and with teams. And the life of a professional children's book illustrator is pretty solitary. Mm -hmm. That's a great option for a lot of people, but I am an extrovert and I love working with teams. And so I quickly learned that that wasn't going to be a viable career path for me. Uh, that is pretty unique because most artists like to be solitary. They like to be left alone, but you actually like to collaborate and work with other people. Exactly. I love rubbing shoulders with people. I love, I love working with people. You know, I'm an extrovert. I love having a good team around me. I even, you know, as a Chick-fil-A, I had, I had a great boss. I love having a great boss. I love, I love, I also love brand. And I love, I got, became interested in, um, in branding and leadership and some of these these things that are, are critical for an entrepreneur. And so, yeah, when I was working in that corporate job, I, I, I kind of became awakened to these passions that I maybe didn't realize I had, which was branding and leadership and product and marketing and things like that. So is that what led you to think the only way I'm going to get that is to start my own thing? In a way. So the, the, the thought of starting my own thing came about organically, which I alluded to earlier. So when I was about two years into this job, I realized that 
the creative part of me was kind of uh, kind of shriveling up a little bit. It wasn't being uh, nourished on a daily basis. Um, you know, like I said, I had a great I had a great team, great work, great work culture, great people around me, but I wasn't doing the creative thing that I love to do on a daily basis. So, in order to have a creative outlet, I began to sketch and draw during meetings. So, if I was attending a meeting, I would bring a sketchbook with me or I'd bring my regular notebook and I would doodle my notes. If I was leading a team meeting or if, or, or if my team was having a small kind of informal meeting, I would jump up on the whiteboard, grab a whiteboard marker, and I would begin to sketch out the ideas that we were talking about. Or if I had a presentation to give, I would sketch out my ideas on paper, scan them in, put them into a PowerPoint deck, and then present a visual presentation. And so for me, this was really just a creative outlet. It was just a way for me to scratch that itch and to nourish that creative part of my soul. But what I realized, and this is where, um, the, like I said, this is where I began to sense the momentum, is that I realized that the people around me saw value in this form of communication. They saw value in taking ideas, taking text, and marrying it with compelling, relevant visuals which produced a more compelling and effective form of communication. So people around me saw value in it. Before I knew it, other teams around the organization were saying, hey, William, can you come over to our meeting and do this for our meeting? Or can you come sketch this idea for our team's presentation? And then shortly thereafter, people outside of the organization became aware that there was, you know, that there was this guy at Chick-fil-A who could do this thing. And they began to ask me to do it and were offering to pay me money to do it. And then that's when the light bulbs kind of went off and I said, wait a second, this is actually a viable product. This could actually be a viable um, career and maybe even a viable business. And so I explored it a little bit. I did some research. There were a couple other firms and agencies out there um, that were doing similar type of work. I realized there was this whole industry based on this idea of visual communication and um, took a couple of freelance gigs here and there, used PTO to, to do this work for these other clients and was really excited about it. Like I said, I felt like there was a train kind of leaving the station. There was all this momentum building and I could either jump on or I could let it pass me by. And um, so that was about six, half, six and a half years ago. It felt like it was time for a change. And so I, I left my job and registered a business and um, it's been, been a wild ride ever since. Amazing. So, I mean, it was a tremendous opportunity in that you got to validate the demand for this and develop the product, at least the initial service, while you had the job. You did that at in during your tenure there because that's what you were doing. So it, it's a rare opportunity that you had to actually validate, yeah, this is something people will pay for, that people need. Exactly. I had the opportunity to validate it, prototype it, and, and put it out there and, and improve it. You know, the first few times I did this at, it, within the context of that job, it was, it was free. You know, nobody was paying for it. So there was, let, there was fewer strings attached. And, um, and you know, I realized, uh, and, you know, we're, we're still learning kind of what the market will tolerate and what people are willing to pay for and what, what they're willing to buy. But, but you're right. There, there was sort of this laboratory type of season mm. in my life where I got to test and prototype and validate all these what would become products for our business. Right, right, and some tremendous. of them didn't make it. Some of them didn't make it. Like there were, there was a few things that I would do during that season that I thought, Oh, this is a great product. Um, um, one of those is sort of like whiteboard um, update walls where people would hire me to come and sketch updates on their, on their corporate whiteboard walls. And I thought this is a great product. And what, what I realized was that people weren't as willing to pay for that like they would others. So that's one example of, of one that of one kind of idea that didn't make the cut long term, but but yeah, it was a great laboratory, a great way to experiment, see what um, what people had appetite for. Yeah, All right. So you you took some paid gigs as you were taking time off. How how long before you decided? All right, I'm going to do this full time and quit my very steady, probably well paying job at some point. When did you make that decision and what did it look like financially? Did you have money saved up at that point? Did you borrow money? Walk me through that. Yeah. So the, the season 
I want to say the first thought of starting a business began in the springtime. And then I think it was that summer where I started to, like we talked about, do that validation, that prototyping. And then the first paid gigs were kind of late summer, early fall. And then I left in October. So it was probably about a six month journey altogether from initial idea to trying out this product, getting the momentum and then going off on my own. Um, financially, the business was entirely bootstrapped. In the early stage, it was mostly just me and I was mostly just putting my time toward it. So there wasn't any investments we needed to make. I mean, we had small investments like a website and things like that and, and you know, paying up, paying to get business registration, all that stuff. But there weren't a lot of heavy investments up front. So the business was entirely bootstrapped. My wife was gainfully employed. We had some savings. So um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a tremendous risk. A lot of people, when they start a business, maybe they have to invest in brick and mortar or that invest in inventory or something. We didn't have to do any of that. It was still a risk, but it was a little bit more of a palatable risk for me. Sure. Yeah, I mean, um, worst case scenario, you could have gotten another job, right? Exactly. Worst case scenario could have been another job or could have just morphed into a freelancer, um, which is a great, a viable, a great option for a lot of people to be a full-time freelancer, but that wasn't what I wanted to do. And th thankfully it's, uh, it's been, it's been a good, yeah. I would say successful journey yeah. since then. And you were able to cover your, your personal expenses between probably what you had saved and what your wife was making. Is that fair? Exactly. Exactly. We were, we were newlywed at the time, which is a, a topic for another, another podcast, basically <laughs> yeah. a, a month after our honeymoon, I said, Hey, I'm thinking about quitting my job. So that's a whole another podcast, but um, yeah, we didn't have, you know, no kids in this, in the mix yet. Now we've got two kids and a uh, house and mortgage and all that stuff now, but at the time didn't have a lot of that to deal with. And um so yeah, you know, mid twenties is a great time to start start a business. If I were to do it now that I'm in my mid thirties, I'd like to believe I would make the same choice. But there is something exciting about being in your kind of mid to late twenties and having a little bit more freedom to take kind of courageous steps. Yep, no doubt. All right, let's dive into it some more. I thought we would start by by kind of defining what we're talking about here with visual communications. But I'm thinking that maybe the, the thing that what I was more most surprised with because I had never seen it done is the live event sketching. That That's still a big part of uh, the service that you, or that's still a primary service that you offer. Is that correct? The live it event is. sketching. So describe what that is because I didn't know what that was. Tell me about that. Yeah, I'd love to. So at the SketchFix, we offer two primary services. The first one most people are familiar with, it's animated videos, whiteboard videos, motion graphics, stuff like that. Most people know what that is. They've seen yeah. one, they, they've hired somebody to make one. Um, so that's great, we love it, we love doing videos. But yes, the other service we offer, which we're really excited about is what we call live sketching. It goes by a couple different terms. Um, you'll hear graphic recording, you'll hear visual note taking, you'll hear graphic facilitation. There's a lot of terminology out there to describe it, but I'll, I'll, I'll describe it as briefly as possible. Live sketching is when a live artist attends an event, typically a corporate summit, a corporate retreat, boardroom, or board meeting, a conference, a trade show, whatever the live event, the live artist attends that event. They set up a canvas in the room, typically a large foam core panel, sometimes a sheet of paper, sometimes an iPad on a digital canvas. And while there's content being discussed, whether it's a keynote presentation or a brainstorm meeting or a panel discussion, while there's content being discussed, that artist is actively listening to that content. They're synthesizing it in real time and they're creating a sketch of the big ideas and the main themes. And the goal is not to capture each and every detail. The goal is to capture the bigger story and then to, to depict that through visuals. And it's really exciting. Our clients love it because it adds a creative kind of right brain element to what is most of the time a stale corporate kind of corporate <laughs> kind of scene. Right. Um, and uh, it, it also adds a wow factor. People are really impressed with it. They're, they love looking at it. But 
Beyond that, we, we think that this service adds a tremendous amount of value to these events because it helps people in the room understand the content better. You know, everybody's a visual learner. Some are much more visual than others, but, but everybody to an extent is a visual learner. So when we present the information in this visual sketch form, people understand it better. You know, the science says that when information is presented verbally and visually, comprehension goes up, retention goes up. People remember the ideas better. You know, it's easy to forget words that you hear or read, but it's, it's easy to, or it's harder to forget a picture. So we provide that understandable, memorable version of the content. But it's also incredibly shareable. So once the sketches are done, our clients are able to send them out as JPEGs, you know, in a follow-up email or print them out. Uh, we had one of our client who one of our clients loved the sketches so much that they made them the mandatory screensaver on all of their <laughs> a thousand employees' computers, which is awesome. That's one of the most creative ways I've heard of our clients using the sketches. But but we want to add as much value as possible to our clients' events and we want them to 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 use the output however like, however they want to as creatively they want to um, and that's really our goal at the end of the day is, is to add that value so that's live sketching it's really cool i'm sure some of your listeners have attended a meeting where there's been a live artist in the room and um and we we love it it's it's yeah. been it's been a really fun product and service to develop and put into the world very creative and you've touched on all of the reasons why it's so effective i'm curious does the artist get a clue ahead of time as to what the topic of the presentation is going to be about, or are they completely hearing it for the first time, just like the audience might be? So that is actually one of the most common questions we get asked. And the answer is we get very little information ahead of time. Most of the time we get a, uh, we get an overview of what the topic is going to be about. Let's say it's change management for a large utility company or something. And then we'll get an idea of how long the session is going to be. Um, 45 minutes, an hour, two hours. And we might get a, a kind of a rundown of who's speaking or who's presenting or who's in the room. And that's typically it. The vast majority of it hinges on the artist's ability to listen effectively. And, um, you know, Henry, I can tell you're a great listener just based on how you've conducted this interview. Um, our artists are trained to be great listeners. It's, it's really even more, even more than the drawing, our listening skills is the most critical skill that our team brings the table mm -hmm. and um yeah it's fun you know we come in the we, we come into these environments with very little context very little subject matter knowledge and we basically listen as best as we can and synthesize and then try to depict that content in pictures and images if you can think of a topic we've sketched for it and if you can think of an industry or you know we we've probably sketched for that industry Henry Lopez with a brief pause for this episode to let you know that one of my favorite podcast shows, Stroke of Genius, is back for season three. This show from the IPO Education Foundation is about intellectual property, but it's as far from a patent contract or a law textbook as you can get. Each episode of Stroke of Genius tells a different and interesting story from the world of intellectual property, from the Harry Potter copyrights to Syracuse University trademarks. The series is filled with engaging interviews with green entrepreneurs, forward-thinking scientists, and the business people who are genuinely interested in supporting and protecting creativity and leaving something good behind. Stroke of Genius episodes are only 30 minutes or less. It's a great listen, so subscribe and check it out on ipoef.org, on Apple Podcasts, or by searching Stroke of Genius wherever you get your podcasts. These artists are obviously very talented in their in their animation or artistic skills. They've honed in and, and developed their active listening skill. But the, the way I would, when I was doing the research, what I take away from it as well, that we can learn from it is, uh, I'll give you an example. When I was in sales, which I spent most of the 90s in, that you know, was def definitely the era of the PowerPoint by, or death by PowerPoint, as we used to call it, right? Right. And, and uh, I happen to have teamed with a guy who, who is very successful. We were both very successful in part because most of our presentations were whiteboard conversations or chalkboards for mm. those people who didn't have whiteboards. <laughs> and what we were doing there was a version of this, William, right? I mean, we were 
we were communicating with people in the audience visually and it, we just found that a, we held their attention longer. They felt like they were part of it, right? Cause we were creating it, if you will, together. And I also think that the thing is that if you can articulate something in one picture or like a cartoonist does in a few frames, that's how you most effectively communicate even complex topics. That's my thought. Exactly. And kudos for you for being ahead of the curve. And that's exactly what we're seeing is, is these days more now, more now than ever, human beings are wired to, con con to consume information visually. We are wired to consume and to share information visually. I mean, you look at social media, it's mostly all visual these days, memes, GIFs, emojis. I mean, we kind of laugh at it, but it, it, it is a form of visual communication. That's how people like to consume and share ideas these days. You know, you go onto any, any kind of typical news website and it's all of a sudden video articles instead of regular articles. So yeah, you, you're right. If for the listeners out there, if you're trying to communicate an important idea and you're not leaning into visuals, you know, whether it's professional visuals or even just your own attempt at visuals, like it, it's, if you're not doing that, it's going to be far less effective than it could be. Yeah. Um, I, I, I also think it's also a sign that I may not really know my stuff. I'm trying to throw a lot of screenshots and words at you. Uh, but, but I think I really know it well when I can articulate it to you as succinctly exactly. as possible. Yeah? If you can grab a whiteboard marker and you can sketch out your idea in simple pictures, then you know it really, really well. You know, when I see those PowerPoints just have charts and tons of notes and it's just, it's overwhelming, then I think this person has not, they might know their data, but they, they haven't really refined the message. And that's what's so important is if you have a great idea, but you, you don't communicate it in an effective way, then you're going to sabotage that idea. So you might be the smartest person in the world. You might have the best business idea in the world, but if you fail to communicate that effectively, then you're, you're going to sabotage all of your hard work. Um, and yeah, I think the comic strip is a great example of, of kind of a, a great way that people can communicate an idea in a very short, very simple way. Um, there's a lot of resources out there and games out there for people to step up their visual communication skills and to, to practice this. And um, one of the ones that I love the most is actually an incredibly fun party game. It's a game called Telestrations. It's like the game of Telestrations. It's like the game of telephone, but with drawings. And um, it's one, it's just fun to play, but it's also a, a great way to practice communicating and thinking visually. So that's just a quick, a quick shout out to that game. Yeah, I love that. But, thanks for thanks for that recommendation. Yeah. All right. I want to dive into it. One of the things I loved on your website, I think it might have been on the homepage, but but you kind of lay out these three components to as we've been talking about making ideas more understandable and actionable by using visual communication. The, the first thing that you say is a great idea communicated poorly is wasted. And I think we, we've touched on that. But right. that's, that's the example you just gave. I, I, I could have all of the data, all of the charts, but, but ideally what I want to do with an idea or a product or a service is communicate effectively to those who I want to convince to either take part or buy it or share it or use it as as clearly as possible right and so right. it could be a great idea but it's wasted if i don't communicate it effectively exactly if you can't tell the story behind your idea if you can't communicate it in a way that's simple and that and that excites people on an emotional level then it's it's going to be a wasted idea um and so that's yeah that's one of the core beliefs for for us as a business and we we do we communicate that to our clients um, who we, you know, that we want to help communicate their ideas. We don't want their ideas to be wasted. Yeah. And the second point is the right visuals will enhance an idea. And that's what we've been talking about here, whether it's the live sketching or an animated hand video. But I think also, and I think you agree that, that uh, as the example I shared, I don't think that you have to be an artist, although it'd be nice if I hire you to do these, but, but using visuals to communicate ideas is the point. Yes. Exactly. And, and, and the key word there is the right visuals. The right visuals. That, okay. Yeah. The one, one thing that I um, always warn people about is um, yes, it's important to use visuals in your communication, but I've seen so many presentations where 
the presenter is simply lazy and they just pick a random image off of Google image that looks nice, right, right. but it has nothing to do with the content. And I think that it's important to use the right, most relevant images. So what and, are some ways that you qualify that it's right? I mean, I think I'm following you, but, but how would you, how would you, what questions would you ask yourself to determine that's the right image to use? Well, I think it depends on the concept, obviously. And um, so, yeah, I would encourage you and your listeners that if you are giving a presentation to really understand the concept you're trying to communicate. Um, for instance, all of our live artists, we have what we call a concept library. It's not actually a physical library. It's just kind of in our brains. But when a speaker uses a word or, or, or a buzzword is thrown out, most of the time we already have a go-to concept for that. So um, for instance, let's take the word momentum. Um, when a speaker uses the word momentum, one word that I go to, or one, one image that I go to often is a train. Um, so I'll quickly draw a train, or if it, we're talking about a product launch, you know, we'll draw a, uh, a rocket blasting off into, into space. So that's just a good example of, those are just two good examples of, of understanding the concept in making sure that the visual lines up with the concept. Like I, I've seen, there's so, there's so much clip art out there, clip art out there that I just think is dreadful. Um, like <laughs> it'll be all these little, uh, little people like putting puzzle pieces together and then the oh, yeah. slide that the slide deck will be all about like, I don't know, like HR or something. And I'm <laughs> thinking, how does this clip art have to do with HR? you know, a, a better, a better clip art might be um, a bunch of, a bunch of people or, you know, whatever HR is a good one, actually. That's a good, that's a good challenge is to draw HR, but you know what I mean? Like, or, or, or there'll be, it'll be a picture of a person climbing a mountain and the, uh, the presentation will be all about, uh, gosh, I don't know, like, launching and like product validation or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, it just, it just doesn't make sense. So there's a disconnect there emotion. I always try to look forward. Does it communicate the emotion or the feeling that I'm trying to impart if nothing else, exactly. if, if I'm using exactly. stock images in particular? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, not every uh, visual presentation has to be uh, produced by a professional team like the sketch vect or by a professional artist or illustrator, but we always encourage people um, if you are going to, you know, quote, go, go it alone. Just make sure that the images um, line up with the concept. And then also to go for quality images. I mean, this is kind of a no brainer, but there's also a lot of just low res kind of, kind of lousy visuals out there. Um, with a little bit of effort, you can find really good stock imagery for free. You can find really good stock photos for free. Or you can just pay a little bit and have access to a lot of a lot of great uh, visuals out there on various databases. But yeah, I would just encourage people to choose relevant images and then just choose quality images. Yeah, agreed. All right, and then the last point to make is uh, we've touched on visual communication done well produces results, and the result that we're looking for as small business owners usually does it get somebody to make a call or come into my shop or sign up for my service. Does it move it forward? Or if I'm communicating internally, do we, does, does everybody get what I'm trying to, to get them to do or the message that I'm trying to impart or the culture that I'm trying to build? That's what we mean by results, right? Exactly. Yeah. So for results, you know, if it is a more outwardly facing marketing um, type of play, then yeah, you want to see customer signups. You want to see, you want to see click-throughs. You want to see purchases, you want to see signups, whatever that metric is. Um, mo the, the majority of our work is internal. So for our, for our clients, results might be a playthrough. Like, you know, a lot of our clients will put our videos on their intranets, like their internal team servers where everyone watches videos. And we want our videos to be played through. We want people to click on them, to go and do, do the thing that they're, you know, that they want their audience to do. Um, for our live events, one, one result that we've seen our clients tell us about is engagement scores. So, you know, when we're working at a conference or an event, most of the time the conference organizer will survey their attendees and say, hey, what did you think of the event? What did you like? And we've seen our clients tell us that when SketchFact is there, when this live sketching is there, 
the engagement scores are higher. Um, and so we, we would like to believe that that is in part due to, um, to the visuals that our team is bringing to the table. But, but yeah, at the end of the day, you know, we are serving clients. We are, we are serving customers. And so we want, um, we want to keep their desired results top of mind. Mm -hmm. So all of our, all of our work, we, we craft, we build with that in mind, you know, we're not just creating fun, cool pictures just to, just cause we like the art. We're creating cool pictures and videos that drive a action that, that produce a result. As I was thinking in my mind, envisioning the live sketching, and I can see all of the values of it, but then it came to me that um, how do you deal with it not stealing the attention or the power of the presenter? Because I could see myself sitting in the audience being mesmerized by the sketch artist and not looking at the presenter. What, what do you think about that? Right. That's actually another common question we get asked. And so for that, we really let the client decide to what degree they want to showcase the artist. We've had some clients who want the artist literally on stage right next to the speaker. And that's really cool. We, we love that. Um, we have some clients who will actually put us in like a back room and give us an audio feed so that people aren't even watching it live. Um, we found the sweet spot is somewhere in between. We always suggest putting the artist somewhere in the room where they're visible, um, maybe off to the side of the stage or off to the side in the corner of the room to where people can look over and check on what the artist is doing, but also focus on the presenter or the presenter's slides if they would choose to do that. Yeah. So that's typically what we suggest, but every client has a slightly different preference and uh, we're, happy to, we're happy to do whatever whatever the client suggests. One thing that we do always emphasize is that the clients let their, um, let their people know that there is an artist at the event, um, just to give context, you know, like, hey, if you, if you didn't know, we have, a, we have a sketch effect artist here and they're gonna be sketching the content. Because... So, so that I don't waste time in the audience figuring out what's going on over there. Now, yeah, I'm, really, exactly. now I'm really distracted, right? Exactly. We've, we've seen, we've had events where the client will forget to introduce our artists <laughs> and uh, you know, it's okay. The client, they always have, they got a lot in their mind. It's a lot to, to put on an event, but, uh -huh. but a, a lot of times the audience will be confused and they'll wonder what is this random person with the markers and the, the whiteboard and what are they doing? Um, so it's always good to introduce the artist. It's also always good. We always recommend that the, the finished sketches are displayed somewhere uh, where people can revisit them and take photos of them because that's to us where the true value comes from. It's that engagement. It's that follow-up. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a conference attendee taking a photo and then tweeting it out or sending it to their team that wasn't there. Yeah. Um, so we always, you know, no matter where the artist is placed, we always ask the client to introduce us and then also to make sure people can, can digest and consume the sketches after they're finished. Makes sense. All right, as we start to wrap it up, I'm, I'm always trying to, we've touched a lot on what I could do as a small business owner to get started with this. And I, I want to go back to the animated hand videos because those are a great way. We, we had one done when we first started uh, the, the coaching and consulting business, but we haven't updated and it really shame on me for not doing so because I think that is a great way for small business owners to start. Instead of all that text, I mean, you might still have the text there for SEO purposes, people are just not going to read that, but a good, well done, short animated video that explains who you are and what your business is about, especially if it's a business where it's not obvious, you know, I don't sell this exactly. widget. Um, so that would be a great way that to, for people to get started. What else comes to mind that we haven't touched on? Is there anything else that comes to mind that's a great way for a small business owner to get started with using more visuals in the way they communicate both internally and externally? Sure. The white, like you mentioned, having an animated video on your website, that's an obvious one. It's a no brainer. Um, it's, we, we suggest no more than a minute, especially if you're trying to explain something to an unfamiliar audience that may be not as, uh, you know, intimately knowledgeable of what your business is about a minute to maybe two minutes max. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of resources out there for a variety of budgets. You know, you can produce one of these videos for, for, for pretty, uh, pretty low cost. Um, the quality might not be as high, but um, that's okay. You know, depending on the size of your business, um, it's, it, you know, it's, you, can, you can use what is best for your budget. Um, so that's, that's an obvious one. And then, 
Yeah, I would consider, uh, I would consider, or I would encourage listeners to consider their websites and consider how much is being communicated visually and how much is being communicated with text. Mm-hmm. Um, on our website, we have a lot of icons, a lot of pictures, a lot of videos. There is text for that SEO value and also just to explain stuff for people that want to really dig into it. But, you know, we encourage doing a, a kind of a website uh, audit <laughs> and see how much text you got, uh, um, how much, how many pictures you got. Um, and then practically I would also encourage your, um, audience to just get more, more comfortable whiteboarding on their, for their own meetings and their own presentations. You know, I'm not sure if, uh, if your audience is doing sales meetings or doing pitches or they're doing, you know, face-to-face client uh, pitches. Even Zoom has a draw feature, which is really cool. So even if you're doing a virtual meeting, you can do it. But um, I think there's something really authentic and really charming about drawing your concept in front of somebody. It communicates that you know what you're talking about. It communicates that you're passionate about it. And it's just an authentic depiction of, uh, of your service. So I would encourage people to Get more comfortable drawing. Even if you don't think you're a good illustrator, that's okay. It's not about great art. It's about communicating concepts. And even a poorly drawn but effectively communicated concept is better than, in, you know, than a concept that, that uh, doesn't, doesn't land, doesn't yeah. compute. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, William. That's, that's been my experience with that, you know, not to, to beat the whole whiteboarding to death, but, but it's so effective. One of the other things I've found in sales environments is, that because you whiteboarded, there's this, there's almost this underlying feeling to the customer, to the prospective customer that you've kind of done it just for them as opposed to your, your canned presentation. Yeah, exactly. It's authentic. It's uh, a little disarming. You know, there can be tension a lot of times when you step into these meetings with strangers and you're trying to pitch your thing or you're trying to sell your, your whatever. And it's just kind of disarming to say, hey, you might if I whiteboard it real quick and hop up on there and, and draw it out. And, and yeah, like you said, that, that is a unique version of, of uh, that's a unique depiction that only they get. And maybe you've practiced it a million times, but it's, it's, it's a little bit more authentic than kind of a, a, a slick marketing uh, flyer, which there's value in that. You know, it's, it's important to have all of that, but, but I do think it's really great to, to just add a little bit of levity and lightness to those environments by whiteboarding out and, and it makes it much more interaction more, more active and i think it puts yourself in a position to be a better listener because you're not just regurgitating your market copy your marketing copy you're you're actually having a conversation so i think it facilitates that the other thing to your point about not having to be an artist i'm a fairly decent whiteboard artist but i've seen people who are terrible on it but it doesn't matter I, I can look at if I had just walked in the room and it was done, it looks like scratches, but the person who's in there with you gets it. They, they get it. That's what I found. Yeah. And you mentioned, you mentioned the interactivity of it, which is a really great point. A lot of times the client or who you're pitching to will jump up and grab the whiteboard and add Absolutely. to the drawing. And then, say, then that's, well, that's golden. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's when you're starting to, that, that's when you're starting to really, you know, run on all cylinders and, because then they're bought in and they're, they're, they're considering, okay, well, what if we apply our business to this model and then they're drawing their business and then, and then it becomes this beautiful, uh, you know, maybe not so beautiful, but wonderful sketch. And um, that's always a lot of fun when, yeah. when they jump up and, and participate with Now you you're working board. together to solve their problem. Okay. We've touched on your two primary services, the live sketching and the animated hand videos. Uh, what else uh, kind of wrap it up uh, for me on the services that you currently offer? And then I think you have a new virtual version. So tell me about that. Yeah. So we, so with the video front, so during the season of coronavirus, as most of us are doing, we have pivoted, we have innovated. Um, the first thing that we've done is we have taken our live event sketching service and applied it to a virtual context which has been really exciting, you know, just candidly, it was pretty alarming back in March when our entire live event calendar sort of up and vanished. And we were staring down the barrel of a long season with zero revenue. And our team was not content with that. We weren't, you know, ready to, you know, close up shops. So we did what a lot of people did is we innovated and we pivoted and we spun out a new, a new virtual sketching service. So what does that look like? A lot of our clients are hosting their, 
their events and conferences virtually on Zoom or WebEx or GoToMeeting. And what we're doing is we, are, um, we can have an artist join those virtual meetings and do the same exact thing that they would do in an in-person meeting where they're listening, they have a Canvas set up, it's typically an iPad um, where they're sketching digitally and um, the client can either feature the artist very prominently where people can watch along while they're participating in this virtual meeting or the artist can be a fly on the wall where they're just listening and sketching but not sharing actively their screen. And um, the client still gets the deliverables, they get the images, they get the time-lapse video, which is another cool uh, spin on the deliverable that we can offer with this virtual service. So that's one, and we've seen a lot of success. Last week we had, I want to say, a half dozen virtual events, virtual client events, which was really cool. And then the other service that we've innovated is um, this, uh, it's a video style, we call it the animated hand style. Mm -hmm. And um, it's one of, it's our fourth style we offer now, the other three being motion graphics, whiteboard, and 2D animation. But the animated hand style, we deliberately created a style that is faster to produce and less expensive to produce. A lot of our clients these days have limited budgets for marketing and communication, and we want to meet our clients where they're at these days as they're dealing with smaller budgets. So we created a style that is, like I said, it's faster to do and it's cheaper to do. Um, it's considerably more affordable than our other video styles. Um, there's a couple of trade-offs in terms of uh, a few limitations related to that, but it's a great product. We're super excited about it. Um, it's up on our website now. And so, yeah, those are two ways that we're trying to, to pivot and innovate during the season and, and listen to our clients and meet them where they're at and still add value even during this time of disruption. Yeah. Good stuff. Thanks, William. Um, book recommendation? Is there a book that comes to mind that you would recommend? Absolutely. I'm a huge reader. I love reading. Um, there's two books I recommend. Uh, they're, they're not exactly business books, but I still want to recommend them. The first one is called Endurance, and it's a book about Ernest Shackleton. If there's any history nerds out there, you probably know about Ernest Shackleton, but he was a polar explorer in the age, the great heroic age of Antarctic exploration. Um, the book is by Alfred Lansing. And I think for me, I read this uh, late last year, I got a lot out of this in terms of leadership, and in terms of resilience. During this season of coronavirus, you know, it's a hard season for a lot of people, especially small businesses. It's a really hard season. And so for me, I've been able to draw a lot of encouragement out of, out of um, the story of the endurance and, and Ernest Shackleton um, and how they prevailed through a really, really difficult experience. And so I don't want to give, I don't want to give it away. So I encourage everyone to read it. And if you want to take it to the next level, there's another book, which is actually a business leadership book, which is all about Ernest Shackleton's um, leadership style. And that one is called Shackleton's Way. And it's a, it's a short book. It's written for managers and business owners and leaders, but it unpacks all of the noble leadership characteristics of this incredible historical figure. So I'm a huge nerd about, about this and this, uh, this story. It's an amazing historical uh, little uh, adventure. It's all true. And I encourage everyone to check those two books out. It's Endurance by Alfred Lansing and then Shackleton's Way. And I'm blanking on the author's name for that, but a uh, Google search will, will tell you who it is. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll have links on the show notes page as well. So thanks for those recommendations. Is, is Shackleton the guy who uh, either, I think it's true, but I don't know if it was him, that posted the ad when he was looking for his team to go with him? It was a very brief wanted ad. And yes. It was, like, it was exactly. written in such a way that it qualified out, you know, 99% of the yes, population. You got it. It's amazing. It said something like uh, help wanted, uh, low wages, hard working conditions, uh, yeah. something dangerous, like sort of survivability uh, un, unknown or something. You know, I mean, it yeah. was like all the reasons Great why danger. the average person would say, no, not me. Yeah. But, but promise of glory and accomplishment or something like that. So is it true? Is that, is that, a, is that factual that he placed that ad? Oh, it's absolutely true. Yep. And so that's actually one of the leadership lessons in that when it comes to selecting your team, it, you know, it's important to be candid about what, uh, what the mission is and, um, not to make false promises to make sure you get team members that are totally bought in um, to your, to your yeah, mission. Yeah. To your that's, quest. that's a great takeaway from it. If you had seen that ad and you were in your early twenties back then, you think you would have signed up? 
I might have, you know, I, we talked about the scuba diving and, and traveling earlier. I love, I love adventure and, uh, you know, I, I might have, um, and if I'd done, if I joined Shackleton's team, I, I would not have, uh, I, I would have had a good outcome, <laughs> which is, fascinating. like I said, don't want to spoil it, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's fascinating stuff. Yeah. Love it. Thanks for sharing that. All right, let's wrap it up. What's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation we've had about using visual communications to enhance how we communicate ideas to make them more understandable, more actionable. What's one thing you want us to take away? Sure. The first takeaway is just to start small. You know, it can be really intimidating to all of a sudden say, oh, I need to visually communicate. Um, it can be a lot to just do that at once. So start small. You know, maybe you don't have the budget to afford um, a company like the Sketchfect or, or even more expensive companies than us. You know, we try to be affordable, but, you know, find, a, uh, find, find an affordable version of what you need. And then also, you know, if you don't need a whiteboard video, just practice your whiteboarding, you know, just start small, try, try it out. You know, a lot of people are, are shy. They're worried about being bad artists, you know, don't worry about that and just summon the courage. And then, um, and the other thing I would, I would leave as a takeaway has to do with the Shackleton story, which is to find something that gives you, that, that encourages you to be resilient. Um, find something that gives you fortitude. I think these are really challenging times to be in business. And if you don't have an anchor, uh, a source of inspiration, whatever that is, whether it's a historical figure or your faith or a leader or a relationship, whatever that is, find, find that thing that gives you an anchor and that can um, help, you, help you endure through um, a season of adversity. Wonderful, great words. Thank you for that. Where do you want us to go online again to find out more? Sure. Our website is a great place to start. It's thesketcheffect.com. That's the, T-H-E, sketch, and then effect with an E, thesketcheffect.com. Um, and if you go to the website, you'll easily find both the virtual sketching service I talked about, as well as the affordable video style I also mentioned. Um, if your listeners want to follow the business on Instagram or on Twitter, our hashtag, or not our hashtag, our account is the sketch effect and if anyone wants to follow me uh, i've got an instagram account it's william c warren all one word william c warren on instagram fantastic and if you didn't have a chance to write that down we'll have all of that on the show notes page as well so that you can connect with them and with william william great conversation thanks for uh taking the time to be with me and giving us all these great actionable tips and advice on this topic i appreciate you taking the time to be with me today Absolutely. Thanks, Henry. Hopefully this was valuable to your listeners. Hopefully they were able to take a couple of things out of it. And um, yeah, I just appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. I'm confident they will. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today again was William Warren. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at our website, thehowabusiness.com. You can also just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996 to receive more information. Thanks for listening. And thanks to our show sponsor, Stroke of Genius, one of my favorite podcast shows about innovation and protecting intellectual property. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.